0: This is Christopher Talon, host of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. Speaking of creative people, the show is sponsored by Rivertown Adventures. Check them out. Go to RivertownAdventures.com and you're gonna find out all about the best canoe and kayak livery service in Michigan. These guys are in downtown Lansing, and they are the go-to place if you want to have fun outdoors in Lansing. Right now, Everything is getting super, super, you know, COVID-era treatment. So everyone's wearing masks. All the equipment gets sanitized and cleaned down before, after every use. You're in good hands. You want to get out. You want to have fun. You want to be social distancing. You want to do it the safe way. That's the way. Go check them out. RiverTownAdventures.com and any social media. They're all over the place. The show is also brought to you by Baby Farm Soaps. Baby Farm Soaps out of Berea, Kentucky. You can get their stuff on Facebook. Go to Facebook and look up Baby Farm Soaps. They've got duh soaps, but they've got Chapstick, which I use, they've got uh, Sunblock, which I've used on my bald head, and they've got a whole line of other products that I've yet to explore. These guys got a ton of good ratings. I know the owners personally. They're really good people uh, making this stuff. and. Uh, You know, it's a win for America if you buy something from them because it's a veteran-owned business as well. So get out there, check out Baby Farm Soaps, check out Rivertown Adventures, and uh, start enjoying life right now. Speaking of enjoying life, my guest was Brandon Scott, phenomenal author. He wrote the book Voodoo, which I just read and we talked a lot about, and then his follow-up to that is uh, the sequel slight which is available now go to the show notes find out where you can get all these things find out how you can learn more about brandon scott just a really nice guy i can't say enough how talented he is as a writer and i really hope you enjoy the interview that we did the other day Uh, he was able to join me via the the miracle of the internet from north carolina so enjoy this enjoy the accent enjoy the the very nice man get to know brandon scott All right, Brandon Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so I just got done reading Voodoo the other day, and that book blew me away. There's one problem that I have with it, though. Can I tell you? Yeah, go ahead, Dylan. All right, so out of all the teams in the major league, you chose the Tigers to be the team getting the shit kicked out of them in a bar on TV. Is there a reason for that?
1: Because when I first read, when I first started the draft, like the full-on book version of of, of the short story I'd originally written, yeah, uh, they had just got rid of Justin Verlander, and I was pretty upset over it. So <laughs> that's 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 that was that was just fueled. I was like, yeah, whatever. So
0: okay, I didn't know if you. No, had I'm, any-
1: I'm a top I'm, I'm a Tigers fan. I just I just couldn't let that go. I, yeah. I think I was literally saw that news while I was writing. I was like, you know, I got to make a note of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we do the show out of Michigan. I'm a I'm a Tigers fan, probably first and foremost, and then I don't know hockey, football, but yeah, baseball's got a spot for me. So when I saw the Tigers in there, I I had to I had to make sure that I made note of that. Yeah, it,
1: it didn't it didn't uh, help that he went to Houston and won a World Series either. So that just... <laughs> yeah.
0: I think most of the Tiger fans felt good for him, though that you know he put in a lot of time here. Oh yeah, yeah I love him. Yeah. Just it yeah I was like yeah come on. But yeah, it is It's kind of a stab to see your favorite player go somewhere else and be successful. Um, uh, so that's in the book. That's not a big spoiler. And another part that's not a spoiler, because you can actually see it right on the cover of the book, you got the, uh, I'm trying to remember, is it an 88 Buick Regal? Uh, 84, I think. Yeah. 84, 84. Okay. Um, I also, besides having the Tigers connection, I used to drive a Buick Regal. Not, uh, not that old a one. Um, but I'm curious. Like, what was what was it about that car that you were like, "All right, if I'm going to write a supernatural story and a guy's going to have a badass car, could be any car in my imagination. Why the Regal?"
1: Okay. Well, my grandfather, who I never got to meet actually, but um, uh, he put his brothers through school, and one of them ended up being like a head of security over at the Detroit plant. So every year he would try to give him a new car, get him a new car every now and again, just to try to pay him back. And I think the last car he had before he died was the 84 Regal. It was a four door. So, and I remember going through some old pictures and I saw it and I was like, well, you know, that's pretty cool. And yeah, I just kept that around. And and some about the front end of that car is pretty, pretty slick. So yeah, uh, I kept that in. And, and then, I, you know, I embellished it in the book with a three Well, I can't say that, but um, yeah, that, that's the story behind that though. That, that kind of was, based off some old pictures I saw, and and they said he loved the Regal, and and his brother made sure he pretty much had a new one every year.
0: Yeah. Well, I dig it, man. So far far you're two for two with me. You got the Tigers in there, and you're actually a fan, not a hater. And uh, we got the Regal connection. So I'm going to dive just past the cover. Um, The dedication. This book Mm -hmm. is dedicated to the two nameless hitchhikers who were standing idly by uh, the I-40 ramp – on-ramp, I'm sorry – on that two a.m. drive, without you this book never would have existed. Can you kind of tell us the story behind the story behind the book? Yeah.
1: Uh, that I was uh, getting off work early from a third shift I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was probably like 19 or 20. And I'd start I actually started writing the story and or later I published it as a short story, the first chapter anyway. But I started fooling around with this when I was like eighteen or nineteen. So anyway, on the way way home from work, um, I got past the interstate and I saw a bunch of blue lights in the distance. I'm like, yeah, two AM. I don't really want to fool with that. So I shifted on to the to on ramp on the ramp of the interstate, and there were just two hitchhikers standing out there, at two AM, with their thumbs out. And I'm like, you know, what if, uh, you know, I, I bypassed. Them. I was like, I'm not going to pull that either. But um, I started thinking, what if, uh, what if I would have stopped? What if it'd been one person? What if you know, I had to deal with a second person. What if I was supernatural? What if you know I just start playing with what ifs. And that's mostly where stories come from is just start wrestling around with what ifs one after yeah. another. So by yeah. the time I got to my exit ramp, where, you know, I get off to my house, I already had that story that I was tempting to write more in depth because I already had a figure in my head. I was like, okay, what if what if he had mobility? What if he looked like this? What if he talked this way? What if and in the way that Jack talks, um, that's another thing, too, that ties into, I guess, the first chapter. Um, I had a buddy uh, that he got pushed up here. This is now, this is back when I started reworking the story pretty full. Cool. I started really diving in because I just, I think I just submitted it like a moron when I was in school. I submitted it to Scribner for some reason. I just mailed it to him. It's back in snail mail days. and. Yeah. I got, a, I got a letter back with my manuscript back marked up from a woman who represents them and all this stuff. But And uh, one of the problems with the voicing of the character, she didn't like it. So I met this dude um, when I was in community college. He would got pushed up to my area. I'm in the mountains of North Carolina. So he got pushed up here from Katrina. But he hung out with us long enough to where he started taking on the Hick language and he blended it with the Cajun. So in my head, that's kind of how Jack started talking started getting the cadence and and the way he structured things. And, and, uh, and so basically by the time I sat down to really attack this again, I had had those hitchhikers on, on the, on the on ramp there. I had Jack's voice in my head and it kind of just folds together. So, you know, one thing on top of each other starts stacking. So that's pretty much that but no those hitchhikers was just me trying to avoid a bunch of blue lights at the other side of the road <laughs> a quarter mile away so but without them i wouldn't even really have this book probably wouldn't happen without seeing them and
0: toying with it all right one um one thing that as a writer i need to do with the book that i'm trying to pitch is my elevator pitch do you have a good one for uh for voodoo can you summarize this book in 30 seconds or less <laughs>
1: oh my god um a. I know see, it's probably, hard when you get put on the spot,
0: isn't it? Yeah, I can't. I can't do one when I sit and think about it, let alone get put on the spot. <laughs> a,
1: a dark gothic supernatural suspense thriller steeped in voodoo. Yeah, I, I don't. That, that's as bad as I can get.
0: No, the you know what? is the
1: hardest part. If and, you... and
0: trying to get somebody quick—that's that's the hard part too. But um, no, I I'd go with that. In this story. You've got a guy named Jack who's got a gift or a curse, you know, kind of depending on how you want to look at that, right? Uh, where he basically can't die, and he's been charged with doing the Grim Reaper's work, but particularly for the people who were real, just awful people. And, um, you know, plot goes on from there, but that's uh, a, a pretty good idea of kind of what we're dealing with in this story. And I'm curious with this guy, because he says things like, in this business, you get a list of names and you got you to gotta bring those people to hell. Every now and then, you'll run into some bad people that aren't on the list. Go ahead and kill the shit out of them anyway. So yeah. it's a character who has a lot of charisma, the reader is very drawn to, the reader wants to root for, but you know, in the back of their head, they're thinking at the same time, this guy is kind of demonic, kind of sadistic were you trying to strike a balance with that or did uh, that character just kind of come out that way?
1: Well, it came out that way in the uh, short story because that's where it just stopped. It was in a chapter one. That was the short story I had published in 2016. Okay. And I wanted to try to, to draw him out more into a sympathetic character, but still have you kind of confused about why you want him to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah for because sure. you, you start dealing with a, you know, as you, You've already read the book, but there's a lot more evil going on that's just more than just him. Oh, yeah. And he's almost like not even, don't even match the scale of what could potentially. But um, the thing is, this this whole thing is an arc. And uh, you meet Jack in the first book. In the second book, you know, you can read the back of, you know, people can read the back of that and not get anything too much away. But you deal with Zadok. And those two stories run parallel. Mm-hmm. So they'll share some minor characters, but they're two independent stories. But what I'm doing is by the time I get to the end of book three, it'll pull everything together.
0: Ah. So
1: book four, and it depends on how big it gets. If it turns into book 5 we'll be like an all-star cast and, and it's, it's going to have a, a lot of confidence. You're, you're going to be conflicted on who you're pulling for because of the way I've drawn sympathies out of both characters.
0: Yeah. For so sure. it's yeah.
1: That kind of deal. And it deals, even though it's like supernatural, I think I tried to bring in elements of like real world oh yeah, world issues, like, like what we deal with every day, how we react to things, and put it in a guy who's just supernatural, you know, all the pieces. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I liked about the story, too, is that it's definitely got its fantastic parts, but it's not, it's not set in a world that, you know, is otherwise completely unrealistic and uh, unrecognizable. You said that you had, uh, send this story out on the rounds before, um, yeah. and it didn't end up getting published, but, well, uh, well, as a short story it did.
1: Yeah. I, well, I wrote it and right. of course I had no idea what I was doing at like 19 or 20. So mm-hmm. I sent it like an idiot. I just put it in the mail and, and wrote Scrivener's address on there and mailed it to them. Yeah. And, and I actually got a correspondence back in like two weeks and they yeah. said they liked my voice, but then she, you know, her name was Susie. I think her name was Susie. And she was like, well, you know, how old are you? And I told her how old I was. She goes, oh, okay, well, you're probably going to scrub out. But, you know, and it got serious. <laughs> I mean, she, I was in college at university and I was trying to do that and trying to do sports and trying to do everything else. And yeah. she was like, you know, I need I need three chapters on my desk by, you know, next Friday. Stuff like that. You know, she's mm. really putting me through paces. And I guess in a way I proved her right because I kind of was like, I can't do this. Yeah. So, but it came back with a lot of ink on the page. You know, she was like, she hack and slash. She goes, you know, you can tell you don't know what you're doing, but there's something about this I like.
0: Yeah.
1: And, but, but yeah. And and then, uh, so I worked with it, put it away for a while, worked with it again. Eventually it got published. It was uh, published by um, Zombie Pirate Press Publishing, ZPP. Okay. And uh, Relationship Advice, ADD Vice, was where the first chapter was published.
0: All right. And you did a- got all that done on your own you've never had a or at least then didn't have an agent do you have one now
1: no no i don't have one now mm-hmm. um the my press my publisher um devil dog is their small press so they're not it was kind of like um i don't know how i ended up with them i think i did end up through my editor my editor got me in with them um okay. because i at the time i was about to give up writing and um i sent it to them i said figure i could try to get this published or do it on my own and she liked it a lot, and so she just pitched it to them, and they took it from there and signed me up for a whole series. Oh, so, wow. but uh, the book that I plan on writing after this series is over, I will try to query to some agents.
0: Yeah, I I was curious if if you've tried that. I've been doing it not super aggressively, but you know, on and off for the last better part of a year or so. I'll get some responses, but for the most part, it's just, you know, a lot of polite notes. No,
1: no, I never uh, got to that stage. It was like I was about to give up and I said, well, maybe this book's already been written. I wrote it and let's see what happens. And she was like, oh, you know, I know someone who would want this. And so that's how I ended up with Devil Dog.
0: Huh. Well, that's, that's interesting. I've heard, um, I've heard some different uh, experiences. People have had Jennifer Soucy, uh, author of a book called Demon in Me. She was on the show and she had tried going through agents and then just started querying oh you know what i think she might have got like one of those pitch contests on twitter something like that and got yeah. a small I, you know, I
1: don't press understand that what is that thing the pit mat or whatever i don't even know what that is
0: i've never done it but uh, i've talked to a couple of people who have had successes as far as just getting attention from you know small presses and agents
1: yeah i don't i'm I, yeah, i'm i guess i'm too old school i'm real old you know, I, I, I start all my drafts and send out books with a fountain pen. I don't even yeah. have, I have very little internet. I don't do all that stuff. So I'm sitting here with Twitter thinking, okay, so now all I got to do is just put up a tweet and agents will try to talk to, me. I don't understand how that works. Yeah. Usually it was a hard thought process of, you know, drafting query letters and getting nervous and waiting
0: months and yeah. Waiting your six to eight weeks and then being like, ah, damn it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now all I got to do is put a tweet and it's off. there. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. On well, by. I think that's cool, man. It's maybe not the way that everybody's going to get published, but the fact that somebody was uh, on your team and kind of kind of pushing you towards somebody to help that happen. Um, somebody else, I read a blog that, the creative one was, they looked up people who were agents, but also offered services as like manuscript doctors, more or less. And then they started sending it out to people that way. And one of them was like, hey, you know, if you fix this, then I'll represent you. And they got an agent that way. But uh, yeah, everybody's got their own story.
1: That's pretty slick there. I, yeah. That could work.
0: <laughs> I know, right? So, you know, maybe that'll work for, for me or hopefully somebody that's listening maybe goes <laughs> goes that route and it works. Speaking of publishing, you're involved... On the publishing side of some things, yourself, right? You've got what two, two, three side projects uh, uh, on the publishing side. Two, uh,
1: Crimson Creek Press and uh, Memmer Press. Yeah, uh, okay. Memmer handles mostly uh, noir stuff, thrillers, and uh, kind of mysteries. And uh, Crimson is the uh, horror stuff. We've uh, got uh, a book. We got a book series lined up for uh, Jill Girardi. Um, she wrote, uh, she runs a Conditia Press, and uh, she wrote a book in Malaysia. It's based in Malaysia, and, and she's from Malaysia, but it, it uh, called it Hantu. I don't know how to say this word. Is it, is it uh, macabre or macabre? I've or never,
0: I, four people th- will say it different. You I know? think it's macabre. I've heard people Rob. pronounce the R, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I say well, macabre, say, and nobody let's let's corrects
1: Hantu me. Hantu macabre. <laughs> is what she wrote. And it's a pretty good book, but she is uh, right now redrafting it for the American market. Okay. And she's doing a whole series based on that. And we signed her up for that. And then member, uh, we have David Green. Um, he's got a book that's going to be coming out next year. So, so far, that's what we got. And we've been talking and entertaining some other people.
0: Um, I'm really interested in the fact that you've got this stuff going on because you know, in a world where, like me right now, I'm just trying to trying to find a foot in. It seems like you're being a little bit more proactive and creating your own opportunities as well as for other people. Was that kind of your thought with uh, with Crimson Crimson Creek? And I want to say it, M- right, M- me yeah, Mimer. It's it's, Mimer. it's the uh, Norse god.
1: I think it's Norse god. Uh, Brian Scott, my other partner, he's the one who came up with the name. But it's like the Norse god of knowledge. I think oh. is what it is. Mimer, Mimer,
0: something. Yeah. M I M I R. Did you originally set these up thinking like, okay, if I can't get myself published somewhere else, or you know, my buddy or people that we know, then we'll just do it ourselves.
1: I won't lie to you. Uh, no, I will not publish anything I have through my presses. I know some people do. Uh, I'm one of those people that if I'm if I'm involved with an anthology, my story will not be in the anthology. Uh-huh. Um, if you go back and look at the big boys and the way they did it all the way back to the eighties, those big horror anthology eighties, the, the editor didn't have a story in the book. Right. And I'm not big on, cause to me it feels almost, and I'm going to probably get people angry, but it, it feels almost like cheating in a way. There's no safeguard there. There's no, there's no wall saying, Hey, you can't, why would you publish this book? It's terrible. Yeah. You know, it's like, like if you had a team with you and it's like, Hey, this, I'm going to publish my, my book through our publishing house. And it's like, Well, anybody got a problem with that? And, you know, Glenn raises his hand. It's like, okay, what's your problem, Glenn? Well, this book's not so good. Oh, it's not? Well, you're fired, Glenn. Okay, we're still going (laughs) forward with this. So I just, I'm real hesitant about stuff like that. Um, People do it, though, and it's fine. I mean, I don't, uh, uh, I've seen some publishers, especially smaller ones who do anthologies, and the editors will put two or three of their own stories in there. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, what was the purpose behind,
0: I don't know. Yeah,
1: maybe well, I'm saying too much. there something. Too no, no, negative, no, no.
0: I I get it. That makes sense. You don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to embarrass no. yourself, and you uh, don't. If wanna...
1: anything, if I can't get a book published, but I feel it's good, and some other readers feel it's good, then it'll come out on my own Amazon page. I won't. Uh, I won't use the crimson banner or the or any other thing we come up with on it. So,
0: yeah,
1: I think that's uh that's reserved for other people. And that, and that's one thing that got me going was uh, trying to lift other people. Um,
0: is there something? Sp- Particularly about publishing, that world that draws you in, or is it mostly just the fact that like you're creating opportunities for other writers?
1: I like the idea of creating opportunities for other people. I think most of everybody's had like a negative experience in the publishing world once or twice with some people, yeah. and try to create an atmosphere where people can have a good experience and know there's people that they can rely on, and it's not going to try to take advantage of them and stuff like that. You know, that, that's what we're about. At least that's our mission statement. This one guy I like a lot uh, runs Goulet pins. I don't know if you've ever heard of that fountain pins and uh-huh. he runs a company, a big fortune company now. And he usually he operates on three rules and it's work hard, be honest, be flexible. And that's the way I want to carry myself through our publishing business is, you know, if you're honest with people and you're flexible to what they need and you work hard behind the scenes then, and everything can be good for everybody.
0: Yeah. Does it, do you find it gets in the way sometimes when you would rather be working on your own stuff, but then you've got stuff to do with one of the one of the presses?
1: Honestly, not really. Um, the biggest thing, if you want to know the truth, that robs your time is networking on social media, if that of anything else. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, running the press is not real because we have a team. Uh, it's me, Brian Scott, Sarah Scott, and a guy named um, Alex Shedd. Okay. He's a real sharp, sharp kid. We mainly run it behind the scenes. And Scott and his wife are the tech people. They can just make things work and make things happen. And Alex has a big business background, so he knows how to market things and stuff like that. And I'm pretty good with people, so I can get people hooked up and involved and draw interest into them and, and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. But no, networking and social media will absolutely bleed you dry time if you let it. Because it's just chasing those dopamine hits you
0: know <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure yeah yeah i go through cycles where i'm just like you know what i gotta not get on instagram for a week just just put it down doesn't matter not everything yeah. needs to get uploaded right now
1: and i spend about 90 percent of my time on social media usually sharing someone else's stuff like trying to you know get attention to other people's work and stuff rather than my own yeah which is probably not a good business to practice on myself but you know <laughs>
0: You know, it's good to put it out, though, because I think, uh, you know, it, it paints you as a good person when you're helping other people, but it genuinely also just helps other people. And, you know, if you can help somebody get some attention someday, you know, they've got 10,000 fans and then they can say, hey, you should check this guy back out. You know, it all, uh, it all adds up. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes around. Yeah. I do want to ask you one more question about the book Voodoo. And then I want to ask you a little bit about your writing process. After that, so the last okay. thing about voodoo, or uh, yeah, sorry, the last thing about voodoo is the magic in the book. Um, mm-hmm. How much of it was researched, and you know, you tried to keep pretty true to, you know, stuff that's grounded in real practice. And how much of it did you just kind of go, you know, what for the sake of my fiction, I need this to do this.
1: Well, I spent probably. Months, maybe three straight months, almost every other day, in various different libraries. Hmm. I'm more Google. I don't rely on the internet a whole lot for things because you know the internet's always got truth and and realism in it. So I usually go to the books and um, and I had these notebooks full of just voodoo culture, the seven the seven gates. They're, those are real things. Okay, and everybody in these books are populated. My books, for the most part, at least is that's steeped in the realm of voodoo are real deities that are that are inside
0: so semeti legba cave. and all those guys yeah
1: those are real uh, Lacroix, uh, Babaco, criminal they're, they're those are the, those are the seven gates of Buddha. That, that, those are real and i just took them for the sake of my fiction and made them into workable tangible people you know yeah
0: but you didn't you didn't so pull it completely out of your uh out of your backside it's all steeped at least yeah. in, in in some kind yeah. of
1: Jack, Jack's a fabrication in my mind. Yeah. Uh, you know, his little characters, he has his friends, but if it comes to the voodoo itself, those were those were real. Um, real researchable. You can put all those names in the any search engine and, and you'll get the results.
0: Mm. So. Yeah, I don't I don't want to give it too much away, man, but the stuff with the the stuff with the jars and all that, I loved that. All right, but I'm not gonna give any spoilers away. <laughs> yeah. All right. So We've talked uh, prior to actually talking now that uh, Internet can be an issue for you. So uh, logistically, we had to work this out. But I would imagine that being in a rural area where you are, it's got to only help with writing, right? Less distractions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So are you originally from uh, North Carolina, mountain country?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, where I've been. Okay. And then when I went to university, I was even deeper in the mountains up at, uh, Western Carolina. So
0: <laughs> okay, that's where I've been. All right. You've described it as, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, kind of a place. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of stuff do you, uh, do when you're not writing when you live out in the oh, middle wow. of nowhere?
1: Well, if you want to do anything fun, you usually have to travel for it. You usually go to a, well, see, we have a, we have a town next to mine called Asheville. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty big, yeah. Yeah, there's usually I hit up a yeah. yeah. I'm about 40 minutes below Asheville, okay. And uh, usually hit up a lot of concerts. I got the Orange Pill up there. Oh, nice. used to be Rolling Stonehead is the one of the top 10 small venues in America, oh. so usually I do that. I try to see what concerts coming through and go hit them up. And uh, usually, just hang out with my buddies. We don't really, it's, it's, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know. Not try to nerd out or anything, but every now and again we we'll, we we meet up on Saturdays and play Smash Up, that game. I don't know if you ever heard of that.
0: Um, no, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, Will Wheaton's real big into it. It's just it's just a card game. It's it's like anything else, but it's something fun to do. Yeah. But and uh, now at my older age, I'm kind of just like eh, chills. I'm not really yeah. big into.
0: If you got the free time, you'd rather be not right? to
1: Asheville. Yeah, if, you, if you're not going to Asheville, you have to drive all the like way to Charlotte to find anything mischief to get into so
0: yeah yeah i've got some family out there but i haven't seen them let's see the last time i went out there we went and saw the charlotte hornets play the philadelphia 76ers and alan oh, yeah. alan everson was a rookie so that was the last time i was in charlotte it's been a minute it probably looks a little different
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's grown a little bit
0: yeah all right so let's get into your writing process when you sit down and you have a uh, have an idea i'm not going to ask you where do your ideas come from because you know that's kind of a no-no and we did talk about it a little but once you've got an idea and you've got an ember do you have uh something in your process to kind of draw that out like some people will do like draw the draw character maps or do like a snowflake method where you say well this happens and then this could happen and this could happen and yada 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 what's your what's your breakdown
1: well, I do the what if thing, but I start as you're writing. Let's say I'm already in the process of doing something, noodling around with the keyboard. You'll get thoughts that have nothing to do with what you're doing. Yeah. And I am big on sticky notes. Mm. I have I have a cork board in front of my desk that is littered with sticky notes. And I just write down one-liners and little ideas. And and then, kind of like with Voodoo, where I, I had one thought. And then I saw the hitchhikers and I thought, well, okay, there, there's a start. There's a solid start. Mm. And then, and then I went home and I was like, and I had this other thing going on and I can't really go too depth in that, but I had, um, let's say John, John Haley's name's on the back of the book, I think. So his little stuff going on, I had that on a sticky note. And I was like, well, what if I introduced that to that? And then you start linking things together. But I start everything, uh, with pen, with a fountain pen, in steno books those little greg ruled steno books or a legal pad yeah. so i'll write like large sections of stuff and then start breaking down chapters but uh and then sometimes if the sticky notes not enough i'll flesh something out and then tuck it away and that's mostly whereas i'm like you know I, I remember i wrote this thing down that would work let me see where i can find that and then i'll start uh, linking them together and and uh, smashing things together
0: yeah. But, um, uh, so then you're not, uh, cause I, I personally am not the kind of person who will plot things out storyboard style mm-hmm. and then write it oh, all out. Ab- I like to write as absolutely I go, not. have an idea what I might write, but then have the freedom to change even, you know, within that day.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't do none of that. Um, I don't outline what I'll do is once I start clicking with a story and I mean, I have to get a couple chapters in mm-hmm. to start figuring things out. I will make a bullet list and I will ask my characters very politely if they mind getting to these bullets. If they don't, that's fine. Yeah. But my characters, the, as much free will as I give them, they don't react well to well plotted out outlines. They just don't, right. they, they don't do it at all. So that and, that, and that's how I do it. I, I totally pants it with just a lot bullet list of things I'd like to see happen. And in the best way to write that is, when i'm writing a scene or something i am in amongst it i i I feel like a glorified note take that's all
0: yeah
1: and um and, and usually i know that it's time to shut down the computer when i feel like i'm no longer in the scene but i'm more looking down at it right that's why i know that i'm tired i just need to and i always try to end in the midst of things so i'm constantly thinking about it when i sit back down again yeah you don't want to start cold. Starting cold is never good because then you'll just sit there and stare at the cursor for a minute, thinking, "Okay, what? What now?" I don't. So, if you start in, in, if you stop in the middle of the action, you just sort of get back into the action immediately when you sit down.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I've got a, I've got a blog that a couple of people have read, and I write about, you know, the writing process, things like that. And I say, first and foremost, always write your first draft by hand. There's scientific yeah. reasons for it. And there's just, you know, personal reasons for it, but, um,
1: well, well there's a thing that I've, I fully, fully appreciate about the link between the, the brain, the hand and the, and the page and it, and it can't be replicated with a, with a keyboard too much. A keyboard can keep up with your thoughts faster than a pen can,
0: Yeah. but a pen forces you to think more
1: Yeah. rather than just throwing words at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can't and, just back up and delete it and try something yeah. else. No,
1: but I won't write the entire book by, by hand. I can't do it. That's too much. I get a, this little bell goes off in my head and I'm like, um, it's time to get on the computer now because this is going to start feeling like homework. If you're going to if yeah. you do this too much to be dictating, but, um, and plus my handwriting's is not the best anyway. So it's, you, you, your brain's like, okay, enough of this. Yeah. But what I do though, when I do a true first draft, that's so like what they call it a zero draft. I know that's a common term now, yeah. but I have a keyboard. I have a, I have a, uh, Velocifier Mini. And I have outfitted it with the, uh, the um what's that thing called? Um, the little keyboard. The, it looks like a typewriter. I uh, can't think of the name right now. Uh, the the Core Key Writer S. Okay. And I have the keycaps on it because it makes it really fast. For some reason, you type really, really fast on this little thing. Hmm. But I pull the backspace key off because you don't hit backspace in the first draft. Right. That's not your goal. Your goal is to get the story completely fleshed out and just go with it. Yeah. That's when it's time to turn on the jets and get going. So I rip out the the backspace because it's just you know cherry MX key. So I just pop it out, and then I pop out the tab key because that's the biggest no no you could ever do in the history of the world is just hit the tab key. So those two keys are gone, and after that it's just as fast as I can get the thing out of my head, the fast I can get the thing off the on off the off the pages that are in front of me that I have handwritten, and and of course as you're going you know when to hack and slash things and skip paragraphs because you don't need them and stuff like that yeah, but yeah. It, it's mostly because no one reads that first draft anyway so it doesn't matter right. my first drafts are a disaster and i usually go through about five drafts i know i rewrote with voodoo about six times i think uh-huh. but the, the first one is usually as fast as i can type. that is i try to hit max words per minute and just go with it yeah you drive yourself um,
0: crazy if you don't because then you'll second guess yourself yeah. and you'll well wait this idea is not good enough let me sit and think about it longer
1: yeah and it, and it's easier to do once once you get away from your handwriting handwritten draft yeah onto actual page you I always work off hard copy always mm-hmm. so i'll run a copy of that and then i'll sit down with the red pen and i'll go through it and that's when the story really starts happening yeah and then I switch keyboards and then I'll go to the quirky writer and I've put uh, different kind of keycaps on it. It kind of slows me down. So now I'm not speed writing. Now I'm having to, to focus on each word and each sentence. Huh. And that's, that's usually how I work. It's a long process. And when you're under contract, you don't have as much time. You know, it's like, it's like a band. They have their whole career to make the first album
0: right. in six right. months
1: to write the second. So, but, um, but that's that, That's my process. It's it's a long process. Starts with hand, and it ends with about five drafts later, something usable to turn into the editor, so she can fire it back and say you got it all wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, those couple pages in slide, I asked her. I said, "Did I not get a sentence right in the first like thirty pages here? What's going on?"
0: <laughs> oh man, the first time I got something back from an editor, I showed it to my wife, and she's like, "Wow, I thought." I thought you said you were good at writing. She she marked up a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of yeah, how it's it was.
1: I'm like, oh yeah. I'll open the file and then close it and not look at it again for about a week and like, yeah, I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah, I sent her I'm trying to think. I sent her about a seventy thousand or seventy yeah, seventy thousand word, not seventy thousand page novel. And I think I found maybe two or three pages in a row at the most that didn't have a mark. Oh wow.
1: Yeah, and that's – but, you know, that's what that's what we have them for. They're, they're not to find everything correct.
0: Oh, yeah. I was like – There'd be no point. And I said to her, I was like, but like sorry that sorry I gave you such a – She's like, no, that was a lot of fun to read. I was oh, okay. Are you, are you sure?
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> you enjoyed this? Because it just doesn't seem like you enjoyed it at all. Yeah. Um, but, like, book two, see, like, book two, like, slight. Yeah. Was so long that we had to crack it in half. So Really? Yeah. Does voodoo, yeah, it was, a pretty. I, I, went, on, like I a, went on. a tear, and I voodoo yeah, is like a good three beach book. You can
0: read that 230, 230 pages, give or take. Yeah.
1: And the second book, I can't remember how many pages. It's, I don't have a physical copy of it yet, but um, I don't know how many book pages it is. But uh, it was it was huge. Like it, book three is basically the second half of book two. That's what it's going to be. It's just going to be the continuation of Slide itself.
0: Okay. Um. So is that going to still f- focus more on the um oh jeez I I know it sounds like Kodak it's not Kodak say the character's name again Zadd. Zadik Zadik yeah that's not well I
1: thought I got that off See, I get my names my characters I have this book and um, it's it's a blank um little writing journal thing and I go into cemeteries and I go into old ones and I just write down the, I'll work like a quadrant And I'll write down all first names and then I'll backtrack out writing all last names. So, you know, you don't have no names that are matching off of gravestones in case someone gets weird about that. But all my names come off of gravestones. Zadik came off of a gravestone that was from 1885. I thought that's a cool name. So
0: That's awesome. I've never heard anybody do that before.
1: Well, they're not using it anymore. So I figured.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, well, I guess let them live again in my book. That's a, that it's fitting for somebody who writes in the, in the horror and the supernatural and the occult to, to do that rather than the old fashioned way of just like flipping through the white pages, which is, you know, yeah. just a different way of doing that. I want
1: to do as little thinking as possible when I'm at the keyboard. And that's why I like, like the town of Clydesboro uh-huh. that and you're going to see Clydesboro again. If you ever read anything else from me, like I've got this series that's about to come out on my, I'm about to self publish a series called um,
0: serum. Okay.
1: And, um, it uh, happens entirely in, in Clydesboro. So Clydesboro basically is a smash of my hometown plus a couple of towns beside of it to smash together. And it's so much easier when you're describing a street that you already know rather than trying to dream one up. Sure, You know, it's less thinking at the keyboard.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and there's, there's something to that. That's why 90% of Stephen King's books take place in Castle Rock, Maine, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And it's just, it it just makes it so much easier yeah and i i gotta admit too i i write from a a familiar setting i think that would probably be one of the hardest things to do i also have a lot of respect for writers who can write from the perspective of the opposite gender and like do it convincingly Mm -hmm. uh oh what's his name andy weir the guy that wrote the martian did you ever read his uh uh his book artemis no, I read
1: The Martian, but I didn't read Artemis.
0: Artemis was great. And he, he writes from the perspective of like a like a 20-something-year-old girl. And uh, yeah, that's that's something that I as a writer am, am trying to work a story right now that does that. But man, I'm just, I think I'm more nervous about the reaction to just like, you think this is how girls think? <laughs> yeah. have, you, um, yeah, have, a- you, have you written from uh, the perspective of a female before? um i tried it a couple
1: of times with some stories that have not seen a lot of day yeah um the closest i got right now was probably in voodoo every time it switches to a couple of those other characters but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i it's 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 rough because like you said like you can do whatever you want in your first draft yeah but then when you start getting to a point where okay now it's time for someone else to see it that's when you start thinking okay did i get this right i mean this even this is like i'll tell you uh see jill's from malaysia yeah and what you know well you haven't read Slot yet let's just say i write some stuff about malaysia in there and she read the very 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 first draft of slot and i actually sent her a signed copy of that particular thing all my notes on it stuff just to i thanked her for but anyway after she read it she wrote me about 20 to 30 pages of everything I got wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: She's like, you need to fix this stuff now or you're going to look like a moron to anybody who knows anything.
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay.
1: Again, it's like, did I get anything right here?
0: I mean, I, I <laughs> well, that, that leads to another good question though. I'm married. So my wife is the first person that reads anything of mine and she'll catch things that I go, Oh shit. Who, who's the first set of eyes that you trust with with your stuff or does it kind of vary um it used to be pretty
1: much no well it'd be like the girl i was dating at the time or something like that Mm -hmm. and that never really goes well at all that's (laughs) that that, that's when they're like enamored with you being a writer but then they're suddenly like okay we your writing is is taking eight hours of your day um (laughs) you know but um um probably right now i've got a little circle of people um uh, Donna Laura gets one and, uh, I like her. She was my webmaster for a while for Twitter. Okay. Um, and she, she's, reads more of the romance stuff, but she has, uh, trickled into horror and, and I've kind of pulled her into horror. I'm like, Hey, read this. And she's like, Hey, that's really good. And, if, but, and um, if she
0: reads romance, I'm guessing she can read a book in like four hours. Yeah. She's a speed reader. It's insane. Romance readers go through books so fast. I got to give them that. Yeah. Jill. Is a good one, um, but uh, you know she's, she's trying to
1: trend it into my number one fan. So I let her read the first draft, but you know I I, I, I kind of watch out for a sledgehammer and stuff like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then uh, let's see, there's there's another one. Uh, my my publisher put me with a lady named Kimberly, and she is rough. She is a former editor. So when I get when that's one of those true beta readings when you get the that comes with notes, you know. That yeah. comes with some hack and flash, and that one's she's probably the most uh, fundamental one that I have.
0: Yeah, it's nice to know that you've got somebody that you can really trust to be like, "Hey, man, this part doesn't work."
1: <laughs> yeah, she's one of those. She's like, she has no real allegiance to me at all, and she's like, you know, hey, this was this was no good. Tighten yeah. this up, fix this.
0: Yeah. Um, because I mean, and then, of course, my
1: editor, my actual editor, Sheila Shed, and she partners up with. With DDP, and uh, she freelances. And she's rough, too. Like I said, I didn't have pages with anything correct on it. And she was in the notes telling me, you know, why do you have this error here? This is this awful. And you need to tighten this up and kill this.
0: So. Yeah. Well, you got to have those people. And I think, you know, the difference between somebody who writes as a hobby and somebody who really feels like that that's part of who they really are is you got to be able to seek out and then also accept people that will tell you when you're you're not the genius that you think you are
1: <laughs> oh yeah it's not a game for uh, thin skin at all
0: no no it's a game of rejection and fix this fix this this isn't good enough either cut that up i guess this is moving towards the end of the interview here but one of the things that i wanted to ask you for selfish reasons and also for anyone else that's curious you have a pretty good platform in terms of just your social media presence having you know, solid interactions with people, and uh, that seems like that turns into book sales, people leaving reviews, things like that. Do you have tips for people uh, that are thinking, you know, how do I kind of push myself into the world via social media and websites and stuff like that? Well, the first thing to
1: say would probably be just the fundamental stuff. Treat people how you want to be treated. Be fair to people. Um, well, no, there's no other thing. It's fair. Be, be, be selfless to people. Yeah. Basically. Um, um, what's that, what's that old saying? If you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. Um, but be, be um, encouraging to people. Mm. And mostly if you, if you want to get into like the technicals of it, like Twitter of uh, retweeting. So you got that's when you start bleeding your life into the networking, but you, you, you got to do that. You got to, if someone follows you and, and they're in the industry and, and you know, you, they want that mutual follow me back, mm-hmm. retweet their pin post. That is like the biggest thing you could do ever retweet their pin post. Cause that's the most important thing on their page. You know? Um,
0: the first person that's giving uh, me that advice, but that's sounds like, yeah, duh. How do, how do you not know that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, but mostly, um, actually when people now, the one thing that you never do, and this is for anybody listening, don't ever, ever add someone and then immediately start spamming them with your book. That is the worst thing you could possibly do. And I don't do that. Like, like sometimes I'll say hi to them. Sometimes I don't say anything at all. If they say hi to me, I'll talk to them. I'll actually, how's your day? How's what's going on? I won't talk about my book. I won't talk about myself other than basic, you know, stuff, maybe some stuff about writing if they're a fellow writer, but I do not. uh, I try to, I try to be as selfless as possible with people. And that goes a long way um that's that's some that's some serious honey there that goes a long way when people realize you're not out for a game and you're you're there to be like a legitimate real person and wholesome i think that's the best way to put it
0: yeah yeah definitely one thing that people do on social media that i don't know why it drives me crazy it just does when uh somebody will follow you and then you click follow back and then you look back the next day and they don't follow you anymore. And it's like,
1: what that's awful. And then your ratio goes all out of whack. And <laughs> then, you know, Twitter or something thinks you're a bot because you're, and the, the best thing that Twitter does is that it'll actually show you who's following you or not. Yeah. It'll actually tell you Instagram won't, I have no idea who's following me or not the best. You have to go through steps to see it. You've got to like open up your friends list and click this name then click on their profile And then click on their like something else. They're the people they're following. And if your name's at the top, your name will appear at the top no matter what. Yeah. If your name's not there, then they're not following. Yeah. That's multiple steps, and that's that Facebook owns that stuff. You know, it's that's when you start getting into that. Yeah. I'm not a huge Facebook fan.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think a lot of people consider it a necessary evil, and even like it is when I if I put out a blog post or if I put out a podcast episode. I can see on my website where most of the referrals are coming from, and it's like overwhelmingly Facebook. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of I do from, Facebook That's from a whole horde
1: of people. That's from a whole horde of people who claim they don't like Facebook.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. So it's uh, six of one half dozen, the other. And then I think anybody who publishes a book, self published, small press, anywhere, would like to think that their book is award worthy. Now, I know your book has gotten a little bit of heat as far as awards go, right? You got some, uh, nominations or some considerations. I made
1: it to the, I made it to the finals for the maxi horror book of the year. Wow. And then, um, somehow or another, he got picked up for the Bram Stoker's recommendation list, which I didn't do that. So I don't know how he even got noticed by them. Oh, um, yeah,
0: that, that Um, didn't come from me. I I was
1: confused when I saw it. I was like, well, that's cool. But there goes my,
0: how'd, how'd you manage that question? (laughs) <laughs> now i know you can
1: send um their jury a book pdf file of your book and they'll feed it to their jury
0: okay
1: and their jury's comprised of random people because they beg for help every year mm-hmm. but um i shouldn't say beg for help. they ask politely for help <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh yeah. um but uh they uh but as far as the recommendation i don't know how it got on there i just i was shocked and surprised brian sent me things like hey dude you made the list i'm like uh okay that's cool um but now, this, now just recently, within the last week, I was uh, alerted by my publisher that I went number, Buddha went number one in occult fiction. Uh, it made it to number four in supernatural fiction, and I broke the top 100.
0: Yeah, dude. So I saw that post on your Instagram. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I was shocked.
1: I was like, okay, that, well, I just launched another book. <laughs> yeah. First book doing good, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting to say. I was like, okay, well. I'm number one in something with riding. It's cool.
0: <laughs> well, then I'm just going to go ahead and say for you that uh, if, if there's anything to uh, getting your book just known out there, it's behaving the way that you have already outlined. Just, you know, don't, don't be a douchebag walking around going, hey, buy my book. Hey, 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 hey. You want to buy yeah, my nah. book? Treat people kind nah. and uh, just kind of be genuine.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of people close to me that are aggravated that I don't promote my book enough. Like uh, Catherine McCarthy, she's actually like, hey, people need to look at this. Let me post for you a little bit. I'm like,
0: okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's great, man. It's, and it's great to see people rallying around uh, something that they believe in, too. Um, one thing that I see sometimes, especially on Instagram is somebody will have like 500 posts and 480 of them are just their book cover reminding people yeah. every day my book is still for sale my book is still for sale my book is still for sale and that yeah i
1: feel weird doing that i've had to do it once or twice or at least make a post about my book i'm like oh man I, it feels
0: weird <laughs> yeah yeah no, I, I know what i know it's weird rather be posting someone else's book it, uh, you know it's, writers writers are weird people because they're kind of introverts but then if you want an audience you got to be able to pimp yourself a little bit yeah and then you bleed a whole day away of networking (laughs) (laughs) right i can't wait to read slight and then when that third book starts to come out too then yeah third book right now i am over 100
1: pages into the redraft okay and it's going to be about i'm hoping that it at least crosses 60k right now i think at the split it was sitting at 45k okay because i had to you know that was just half of slot so yeah. and I've had to rewrite a whole intro beginning of it, and I've added some chapters, beefed up some stuff. I've added a lot of words along the way, but I hope that at least gets to the 60k limit. Oh, if not, I'll have to be negotiated for like less because I think voodoo was only 55k, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so but that was big enough, people liked it. So,
0: yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's not a small book, that's mm. really a lot of the stuff you see on the chronic bestseller guys like John Grisham, most of his books are right around that.
1: Yeah. You don't have to write like, you know, million pages. I mean, you know, as much as I love Stephen King, there's been some books I'm like, okay, this could have been shorter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been working my way through his, uh, his series, the, uh, with the man in black. Why can't I think of the name of it now? Dark Tower. Thank you. I've been working my way through those books for the last couple of years and I'm stuck on, uh, I think it's the fourth or the fifth one right now
1: the fourth one where he goes back in time. So a whole nother story has nothing to do with anything.
0: Yes. Right. Yes. Where like the, yeah. the whole middle third of the book is like my yeah. girlfriend. Who's I love dead
1: that now. book, but I don't understand it. It's like, okay, book three. Now we're on our way. We're, we're okay. Now we're talking about something that happened like decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Hundreds of years ago when I was,
0: yeah, I, I, I went through the first couple really fast and then that one kind of slowed me down.
1: Yeah. I wasn't overall fan of that too much. I, I got to the last book and I was like, oh. <laughs> but, um, I will tell you book four I have sitting in the backseat of my car in various Spino books, uh, legal pads, and uh, this other journal book I was writing in, all in sections. I keep it in my car in case the house burns down.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, so I've got that in there. So it's in the works too. I started on it, but then when the edits came back for slot, they're like, we got issues. This is going to have to get chopped in half. I'm like, oh no. So I had to stop. Everything I'm doing on book four, which was at the time
0: book three. So yeah. So how many hours a day do you put in? Uh, like when when you well, when you sit down to work, do you do you have a time?
1: Yeah, I get what I try to do every day, and it's been it's been tougher here lately just because of enthusiasm level and stuff at work a little bit, and um, you know handling fanfare, trying to like network and all that stuff. Um, but uh, usually I work. I work a, a crummy day job from six to three and uh, then I'm at the desk by five 30 or six and I write till 11 every night. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it used to be seriously clockwork. Now that I'm a little bit older, it's like, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna take tonight off kind of yeah, <laughs> maybe noodle around with something else or, because I have a short story that's supposed to be coming out by J.A.E. Productions or Industries. or I can't what the exact name is. But um, it was a story that's supposed to have been published by, um, uh, do you ever hear that name, Andrea Dawn?
0: Say it again. She had a,
1: Say it again. Huh? Andrea Dawn. You ever heard that name? I don't think so. Oh, well, she had a, uh, it, was, it, was a it was a problem that happened. And that book, that story was originally slotted to be in her, one of her anthologies. Okay it got pulled. I pulled it myself or well, everything collapsed around her. So hmm. I end up putting that in this one and it's basically an offshoot of slot. So it's a short story based around that based around some of the characters in
0: there. Oh, that's fun. So, so I wrote that
1: in about a week and that was something to get me. Well, I stayed in the realm of slot, but it, it, it ended up uh, being something different because it was different characters, oh. same kind of characters, just a different main character. But, but like,
0: kind of like a par- parallel story in the same world, kind of a thing.
1: Same world. It's got s- a couple of main characters are in it, but it centers around it centers around something else. It's a short story. It's about eight thousand words. But um, yeah, sometimes you got to sit down and do something different, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had it was it was the most bizarre thing ever. But there was a best selling author who I just by some strange stroke of luck had lunch with. Through somebody else that I know that was working on a writing conference, and he was the first person that really ever told me, like, "Hey, man, don't don't outline and try to try to try to have an idea where you think the story could go, but don't ever dictate where it should go. Let the story kind of take you there itself." Was there a, a particular writer or person that maybe wasn't a writer? that kind of influenced the way that you approach writing now?
1: Well, indirectly now, like I've not sit down and, and uh, met some of these people, but uh, listening to podcasts and stuff, Neil Gaiman, I drew a lot from, from his process
0: yeah. and how he
1: viewed, especially the first draft, the way he handled it. And I'm not, I'm not listening to his masterclass or anything. This was just interviews from a long time ago. Yeah. And the, the way he viewed the first draft and how to handle it, I was like, you know what? That's, Kind of what I'm doing now, and maybe I need to gear it more to that way and stop stressing over. I was one of the people early on that stressed over the to the, over the first draft.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's why I kind of adopted my own thing of just ripping the backspace key off the keyboard because yeah. there's no point. You're you're not there for that. You're there to tell a story. You're not there to to correct anything on that first draft.
0: Yeah.
1: So, and um, so I took bits like that, and um, of course, you know, everyone read uh, on writing, which yep. My book was I, – I, I bought that brand-new – I remember I bought it brand-new, the mass paperback when it came out. And I went home. I read it cover to cover like two or three times, and I ended up putting those little uh, those little sticky tags mm-hmm. you know, in the pages and wrote what chapters were what and all this stuff. And I don't think I've looked at it in a while because mm-hmm. not everything applies. And, and and I think when you're when especially when you're a young rider and you're more moldable, you tend to borrow from everybody. Mm-hmm. But not everything works for everyone, right? And so, I I don't know. I more or less took some things and then kind of created my own method. Yeah, and that's the best thing to do. And that comes with like age and a little bit more mileage under your belt. You know. Yeah. Especially, I think good better riding comes from years when 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 you've lived life and you've been heartbroken and. And you've had this happen and that happen. That kind of forms you more better. And then you start more better. That's, that's a good term. Uh, but um, <laughs> it. Uh, but I do strategies like that. Like I'll rip the backspace off. And then I got yelled out by an editor one time about the tab key. So the tab key come off my keyboard. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that was a function word for the longest time that you could do that. I have one friend uh, told me I told him about the tab key rule. He said, "Dude, I've been hitting tab like it's 1988. What are you talking about?" <laughs> so. Yeah, so it came off keyboard and um, and swapping keyboards and stuff, and that was something I think uh, when Gaiman started um, changing up his method, where he would go longhand and then he'd go a little bit to the keyboard and then. But see, unlike him, I'm not writing full drafts hmm. in pen. I just couldn't do that. I don't think I could. I go the distance, but I can't write. I, I think what Stephen King said on Dreamcatcher, he wrote all of Dreamcatcher with pen like the entire you know how big that book. big oh, oh, the is entire that, thing i was nah.
0: is that the one that he said that he wrote the entire thing with a pen and by candlelight yeah
1: that was his first book after his
0: acts when he got ran about van but yeah
1: i just i'm like i could imagine trying to transcribe that back i mean i do a lot of that and plus redrafts that's what that is mm-hmm. but i don't know if some reason when you when you take what you've written by hand a lot of it, like a big, huge chunk of it, it kind of feels like high school again, like yeah. doing an English paper or something. And I'm like, you know, and then my handwriting. I'm like, okay, what? Where did I write right there? I don't know what that is. But I do it because I like the. There's something holy between the, the brain and the wrist, and the pen and the and the page. Yeah. And and I won't give that up. But yeah, my method is do that until you feel uncomfortable. Like I really need to get this on the computer. Yeah,
0: you just can't get it out fast enough. No, and it's so, no, and it's and so clear in your mind. Your yeah.
1: Yeah, it's best to do that. And I found it's best to do it early on because early on, you know, when you start a book, it's it's a it's a you kind of do a lot of staring and looking and
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> noodling around with the pen on the page and it's doodling and stuff like that. So but when you start getting into the crux of the action, you know when it's time to start getting to the get keyboard because you can't keep up with your with the writing but Especially when you write a fountain pen. There's nothing like that that ink going out on you when you're in the middle of a scene
0: mm.
1: and you're having to fumble with the with the refill on it and everything. So But I guess I didn't really answer your question. I say Neil Gaiman. <laughs> got, yeah. Neil Gaiman yeah. was an influence on me and, and I loved his his long form to read to me is a little wears me out a little bit, his writing style, but his short stories to me are the best things that, that you can sit around and read.
0: Yeah.
1: And I took a lot of uh Of studying him um you know of course on writing but then again on writing i kind of when i got older i'm like okay well i won't really do that now and this and plus the whole thing about the uh, idea notebook Mm. where he said that was where good ideas go to to i'm like well what's the difference between that and my sticky notes that i have all over my cork board that go into writing books that people seem to be enjoying right now so i I don't know
0: that's that's one of the things that i let go through one ear and out the other i like to i like to hold on to notebooks until i know i there's nothing in it because I'll look through it and every yeah. now and then I go, Oh, Hey, you know what? That might be a short story or Hey, you know what? This character might work in the book I'm writing right now.
1: Yeah. When I was at work back, back years and years, years ago, when I, was, when I was young, like really young, I, I would cut like sections out of cardboard right before I'd bail it. Yeah. like put it in the, the compactor and I would throughout the night when I'm supposed to like, you know, be working or something, I'd be like scribbling down little scenes and sections and stuff. I've got that stuff stacked everywhere and that stuff still works. Like, I'll pull some of that out and I'll be like, you know, that's pretty clever right there. Let me rewrite that. Let me rework that and then it'll fit into a book somewhere yeah. or a short story. I'm like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I agree, it, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody who, who writes should just ditch their stuff because, you know, like we've been talking about, just because it doesn't look right or, you know, you, you read it and you go, oh, man, that feels really high schoolish. Well, then you go and you do a second draft and you make it better.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about writing. It, it, nothing applies to anyone. It's all very, very, very niche to the individual. Yeah. It's it's what you're comfortable with and what you're. As long as you're able to tell a good story, mm. it's. You know, I mean, look look at our drafts. Never editors get them. You don't even have to be able to write well. <laughs> you right. Got to be able to tell a story. Yeah. So, I think it was an editor one time went through the trunk of J.D. Salinger after he died, right? Because he had all these drafts uh-huh. in there, and I think she she read a couple of drafts and said, "You know what." he was just a functioning illiterate. (laughs) (laughs) He could tell a story, but it wasn't very good, you know, well written. Yeah. So I don't know. I think people do put emphasis on things when it don't really, a lot of the things that people put emphasis on, Yeah. it tend to shut writers down, especially young writers, you know, and, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Especially in a world where with social media, you want everybody to like, literally like everything. So, yeah to, yeah, to put yourself out there is kind of scary. And to to get somebody to say something back, you, yeah, I don't think this dialogue works. You know, you don't want to hear that. That's a, kind of a hit to your ego. But it's, it's part yeah. of the process. And, and you, you can't have it.
1: It's better. You can't have an ego in this. You just can't.
0: Yeah. I mean, unless you're, unless you're pulling Stephen King numbers. <laughs> yeah. Then you can afford to have an ego. If you can buy the house on both <laughs> sides of yours with the money that you uh, made from selling your books. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah uh, it don't look like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, not yet man, but dude, you're a talented guy, man. I I'm really excited that I uh got on this wagon early on because um you are probably one of the two indie writers who I just can't believe aren't on every shelf everywhere, you know, one of the one of the big boy uh I, I don't mean that in a discouraging way, but one of the big boy publishers, one of the big, what are they called? the big five?
1: You know, the thing is, is that uh, I'm, you know, younger, I, d- I don't know how it felt about some things, but older, I'd, it's the way the industry works. You know, it, it's, it's the cards of are dealt. You know, it, it's like, you know, who wins awards? It's, it's who got to see the most of the book. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's a, it's a good old boy club. And, and I don't, it, it, there's so many People who do win big awards, Mm -hmm. whose other books I read that year that were so much better. Yeah. And it's, it's just a, you know, real good boy this year. Well, we'll give you an award for it. Keep your mouth shut, but you're a big shot. Okay. Yeah. We'll give you a award for it. I don't know. But I appreciate that because, I mean, I think I, I try to tell a good story, make entertaining, and, and I try not to take it too serious. You'll notice the main character, you know, he don't take himself too serious.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, if people don't like it and they don't and if people love it, then that's good. I'll keep
0: turning them out. Yeah, man. Well, but, keep, um, keep turning them out. I'll, I'll pay for your stories. Even if they don't get published, you can just write it on a napkin and I'll give you a couple bucks for it.
1: All right. And <laughs> hey, there's another anthology. and I'm going to warn you about this one. Okay. I'm going to warn you about this one. There's a, there's another anthology coming out, uh, a guy named rookie Burwick. He puts them out and, uh, it's got some big names. I think Brian Keene's going to be one of the stories in there. And, uh, Marie Lanza she's she's a really big name and Catherine McCarthy but the story going in there uh, I wrote called A Child's Game and it's pretty violent it's it's probably one of the most violent stories I've, I've written it's it's it I actually read it back I'm like wow this is I mean and everybody who's read it so far that were in positions to decide things yeah. were they they were really blown away they liked it they enjoyed it yeah. and I'm like you sure? Because you know it's it's this, this kid, and he's he, you don't know what's what's real and what's not, and there's a, it, it's it's pretty pretty violent. Is, is there any? And um, oops, sorry, go ahead. Go well. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. Ray Garton read it, and loved it. <laughs> if if that'll tell you the kind of quality it probably is, that story is probably pretty violent and grotesque. <laughs> so, if you ever read any of his work, "Live Girls on it, It's pretty, pretty." Uh, Dark stuff, and that, that was one, probably one of the darkest stories I've written. And well, I'm almost nervous about it being published.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you when, when you put uh, when you put something out there, do you have a pretty healthy sense of disconnect, or do you wonder, like, man, are people going to think that I'm like this crazy sadistic weirdo?
1: I have a I have a disconnect, but I'm more worried about. Um, well, I well to answer your question, probably probably a mix of both, like. Yeah. I'm okay, I don't, I'm not, like, like, well, people probably don't want to hear that or probably want to agree with that, but it's kind of, to me, it feels like you're almost apologizing for a story you've written, mm. trigger one, like, and I don't mean like, if you're going to write rape scenes and stuff, you don't need to write that at all, you know, just keep that garbage out of there, yeah. but if violence, excessive violence, but you, but you're reading, but you're willingly reading a horror story, yeah. you know, scary things and you're reading a horror story, but you want to get upset over it. I don't understand that. Why? You know, I feel like I, I have to apologize before you even open it up to let you know, Hey, this is going to have some scary things in there and they're going to be violent and you're not going to like it. Yeah. I, I don't understand that stuff, but I do worry about things sometimes. I, like, you know, I'll put out a book and like I was worried people wouldn't like slide at all because it kind of, you know, it's parallel to the first book, but doesn't involve the first book a whole lot. So I figured people would be like, Hey, that's not so good. Yeah. You know, well, it got to me after people championed how much they liked the main character of Voodoo, like a lot of. I got a lot of feedback on it. I'm like, yeah, Jack. Well, they're really going or... to hate me for the second book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, is there? Well, I don't want to spoil it. You don't have to answer if it if it's a if it's a spoiler. I was going to ask you if Jack appears in Slate at all.
1: Um, he's talked about loosely. Okay, because the events of of Voodoo happen at the same time. And so there's some behind the scene things going on where characters are going to start like mentioning the things are happening because there's an underlying plot where things are dependent on each other.
0: Okay.
1: Or, or like there's multiple plans in place or, or things happening. And it's like, you know, the kind of whole thing, the whole story plot of a voodoo kind of is an underlining thing in slot in, in the, in some chapters because these characters are kind of concerned about things that are going on there. Yeah. But Zadek himself um, has his own story. That's 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 about him. And, um, and like I said, it shares it shares minor character. You read, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember that name.
0: Yeah.
1: you'll be like, if you ever watched that uh, YouTube show Pitch Meeting, the guy talks to himself. Uh-uh. He's like a screenwriter that pitches it. I don't think so. Uh-uh. Don't don't. If you watch those, you'll be out on a rabbit hole. Nine <laughs> hours from now, you'll be watching every one of them. They're they're amazing. They're short, but they're amazing. But he does that whole thing where it's like he'll mention the name of a character, and the guy will be. Like, that's that's the guy from the first movie yeah. you know that kind of thing so so and that's that's where i wanted people to have that kind of reaction like
0: oh, oh they're talking about that other book okay yeah. and i like the idea how we that all do like when stephen king used to do it yeah <laughs> yeah and i like the idea that it's happening concurrently too with the with the two books that's that's very interesting yeah and yeah i'm really excited because I to know that it's al- a it's kind of a you're playing the long con here where you're kind of telling different stories that are their own mm-hmm. stories, but also using those as introductions into the larger scheme. Man, I'm. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll lock up. I'm hooked, man. I'll buy. They'll lock I'll up. buy all the books right now. You just, you just tell me where to send the money.
1: <laughs> well, book three is. Uh, I have to do a lot of work on it because it's. I don't. I, since people are responding so well to these books and the tone that are in these books, yeah. book three has takes us serious i'm not going to spoil it, but it does take a very dark turn so I, I either i have to try to lighten the mood a little or or just say screw it and just throw it out there and see if anybody buys book four when it comes
0: out <laughs> if i have a fan base left <laughs> <laughs> well you got to challenge yourself you got to challenge the readers too man
1: yeah I'm, I'm considering it thinking about it yeah i'm i'm not at that point yet
0: i'm though i have to make a decision so we'll see well
1: we will see
0: well man i I feel like I've wasted enough of your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I had a,
1: no, this is the, this is the first one I've ever done. I've usually declined them all. So,
0: well, I'm honored that you, uh, didn't decline this one, man. This was, this was fun. Uh, shoot. If I'm ever out in, uh, Charlotte seeing my cousin again, I'll, I'll, uh, send you a text and <laughs> yeah. drive out there and see what's going on in uh, in the sticks. Yeah. So what's going on? Cool, man. Um, well, shoot, I hope someday our, our paths cross at a writer's conference or something.
1: Uh, well, if we ever get the cons up and running again.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: last year, I was at Charlotte at the – well, this this year, February, around Valentine's Day, I, I was working a booth at um, a Mad Monster Party, and that was big. They had uh, Robert Englund there and oh, nice. Doug Bradley and – well, Jamie Kennedy, he was there, of course, but he, he was – they had the whole cast of uh, of Scream there, I guess, because they were trying to draw the interest for the new Scream movie coming out. Matt Lillard was there and he was like insane. But usually they have them two twice a year and I try to do them. I won't be doing a booth at the next one. Cause I wasn't certain that, you know, COVID wouldn't just destroy that, but they're acting like they're going to have it. I'm definitely going to go. It'll be on my birthday. Oh, nice. So that'll be February, the Saturday will be around February 21st. So if, uh, you should come down after that. That's going to be in Charlotte. Good. When it, I'll be, I'm not going to be something books, but I'll definitely, uh, I'm going to be there at least for a day. Saturday. Do you ever get a chance? To come down here.
0: Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Text me, text me more info about that or just uh, like a link to it so I can check it out. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to, uh, direct people's attention to website, uh, how they can order the books? Um,
1: well, here's the deal. When I get them in and I actually got, you know, a whole slew of voodoo because the world got canceled this year. Yeah. Um, if they hit me up on my social medias, like you've have, you have you've got, um, links to that i guess or i can send links to to you yeah
0: i can put up links um, and
1: show notes and everything but uh they can buy voodoo straight from me it's uh 13 bucks i sign them and dedicate them to whoever they want me to dedicate them to and i mail them out you know because all cons got canceled this year that's just not fun but yeah now i don't have physical copies of slight yet myself um but when uh i get them in I'll have them for sale next.
0: Okay. So right now that's just the Kindle that's launched the Kindle ebook. version. No, no, there's paperbacks. I'm
1: saying I get oh, a contributor copy and then I have to buy my own copies at a, you know how it is. Get that. I have to go through my publisher to get them, yeah. but uh, let's yeah, it's, it's not super cheap that way either. When I get them in then I'll be launching them for sale. Cool. But the, the contributor copies are mainly, you know, family and friends. They're the ones that want it. Yeah. <laughs> Like you get the book and it's like, Hey, I, I want to see, man, I could sell these 15 free ones, but mom's like, I want a copy. Your grandmother wants a copy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah, yeah. Wants copy. It's like, oh, okay. Um. Well, I'll tell you what, when I get them man, I'll send you a copy.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: So, yeah. You're, yeah, you're doing this for me. So.
0: Well, I'll send you a signed copy. Shoot, man. I'm going to have you on every time you have a book out so I can get a, no, I'm going I'm to pay for these <laughs> copies anyway. But yeah, absolutely, man. Sign me up for a copy voodoo was so good the pacing was perfect the characters were a lot of fun i can't wait to see slight read Slight. yeah
1: slight uh, so yeah, just had its first five-star review come in this afternoon
0: yeah i saw yeah. i saw that man congratulations i'm sure it's going to be awesome i i can't imagine that you're going to drop the ball the uh, voodoo was just so good man it really was everybody should read voodoo
1: yeah i told my publisher i said now we need to make the movie because people
0: want to move <laughs> yeah she's like well that sounds really good i'm like well you can make that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, fingers crossed. Um, I I I see good yeah. things for you. So thanks again, Brandon Scott, author of Voodoo and Slight and uh, future books to come. Check out Brandon Scott on his social media. We'll have all that stuff up in the show notes. Brandon, thank you, man. I really had a lot of fun talking to you. Yeah, man.
1: Thank you. I've never talked this much about myself before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go. It's better than therapy, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel much better now.
0: Thank you, man. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good one, man. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Check out the show notes. Figure out where you can get Brandon's stuff. Then head over to com. That's Talon with two L's. ChristopherTalon.com. Check out what's going on with the show. Read the blog. And, you know, just waste some time on the internet in a good wholesome way. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.